Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hey everyone, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. On today's show, we have Millie, aka Posting Property. She knows exactly what she's doing when it comes to social media and building brands and building social media presence for people in property. Makes sense, right? So we are going to go through some pros, some cons, the best platforms to use, how to pick a platform, how to build your brand, the mistakes that property investors make, the good things that property investors do, and a little bit about her property journey. So if you're on the fence about social media or you want to raise investor finance or you're making excuses, then have a listen to this podcast. Oh, and also, here's a reminder. My community is open and it is thriving. We are talking about so many, so many different things. Actually, last week, we just had a talk on auctions, the basics of auctions in one of our bi-monthly chats. Got a few people in the premium category who are doing weekly accountability and actually one person doing monthly mentoring sessions one-on-one with me as well. But most importantly, we have a community where people are helping each other. People are growing together. One of my mentees just secured his first deal, exchanged on it. What a headache that's been. He's part of the community as well. And actually, Millie is also part of the community. Talking about social media, we've got Dean, who is a project manager. Billions of pounds of projects under his belt. He's also in the community helping you out. My broker's in it. Look, the list goes on. Now, networking events are dead. We've told you the property event is over. It's really difficult to get out there and network now. And this is why I started the community, because from the the comfort of your comfy office chair or your sofa or your toilet or from your phone, whatever, you can get an ac- access to a like-minded community of people who are doing stuff, taking action and bettering themselves. And if you're not going to invest in yourself, then how can you invest in anything? Now, it's a low cost commitment. Um, so yeah, use the link below, tejsing.xyz to book in a strategy call because I need to make sure that you're right for the community and it's right for you. Book yourself in. Um, and then hopefully see you in the community. So, Millie, welcome to the Ted Talks podcast. Hey, Ted, thanks for having me. I'm I'm so pleased you're here because the stuff you post, I think, is really really useful. Your clients, when I see them and what they're posting and how they're posting, it makes sense and it works. And people might be listening to this and thinking about, wait, what are we talking about? Are we talking about property? Are we talking about social media? Well, we're kind of going to talk about both people um, because Millie knows exactly what she's doing when it comes to social media. Amazing, amazing tips for how to grow your profile. And really, I think what most property investors want is, how can I raise money? And well, if you're not following Millie on, on Instagram, and the show, uh, Instagram will be in the show notes, or if you're on YouTube, you can see it on screen, you need to go and follow her. So... Before we get into that, though, because I want to give people like a social media masterclass, like I want to give them anything and everything and go through some like frequently asked questions and top tips and mistakes and myths about social media. And I think predominantly Instagram, that's the platform you use the most, um, which I think is quite a good platform. We can get to that. Before we do all that, like who is Millie? What do you do? What's property to you? 
Right, well, that's a quite a big question. But um, yeah, so I started out, so I used to be a head of social media for an advertising agency in London. Um, and, you know, that's sort of what everyone, not everyone is aiming for, but maybe what I was aiming for at the time. Um, and I was doing things like social media strategy for big brands like Walker's Crisps, Royal Caribbean Cruises. I got to go on the world's largest cruise ship and launch their ship on social media, which was awesome. Um, so it was a pretty cool job. And it's a great job when you're young because you get to meet loads of people and it's just really fun. Um, but I was looking at my seniors who are about 10 years above me and I thought, I actually don't want your life. And at that point, sorry if they're hearing this right now, <laughs> at that point, that's when property sort of came into my world. It was through my late partner. He um, went, We went on this property day um, where you're like learning about how to invest in property. And we both really loved it. I mean, we did get sold the whole financial freedom in seven days. This is the best thing ever. Like, yeah, it was a bit of that. And I totally bought into that and thought, oh, my God, that sounds awesome. Um, but we did follow through with it. So I moved from London up to Newcastle, which is where my partner was from. Um, and it's now our investment area. Um, and I just went full hog and was like, yeah, I'm going to do property. I really, I'm going to really love this. Um, and my God, it's really hard. It's really lonely doing property. I'd gone from like working in a busy team, like working with really huge brands and seeing massive results to like sat there on my own. Cause he was, he's in the Navy. He was in the Navy. Um, you know, traveling the world. So I was on my own up in Newcastle, new city, didn't know anyone, didn't, um, you know, I'd, I'd learned all I needed to learn about property, but obviously it's boots on the ground experience that matters, isn't it? And um, it was really lonely. And I finally managed to get sort of in the groove, started uh, buying property. And then I sort of realized I was missing social media quite a lot. I was missing the buzz of it. And I was looking at what people were doing on social media and property. And I thought, they need some help. <laughs> like I, I just, I was seeing so many mistakes. I was seeing so many things that they could improve with just a little bit of effort. And so that's how posting property began. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do this to like help people out on social media. I really didn't have any plans with it. I was just going to start it and just help people out for free with some tips and some videos. And then it sort of grew. And then I started getting clients that, um, you know, property investors who were looking to you know, grow their personal brand or get more angel investment or whatever it was that their goals were. Um, on social media I was helping them do that whilst doing property and then I realized actually this is great because I get to do a bit of both and I get to network with these really amazing property investors who are doing insane things and we learn from each other because I'm teaching them social media we're chatting I'm hearing about their deals I'm getting inspired by them and it was just a really great meeting of the of the two worlds and so finally I'm not lonely in property anymore because I've got a whole group of people I can chat to all the time which are my clients or even the Instagram community so that's how sort of property and, and social media came together <laughs> I love that and you know I think the kind of thing you said about learning all you need to learn for property having the theory down but then actually taking that into uh this is a real house this is going to cost real money like okay spreadsheet says this but real life says this and then trying to work it all out together whilst like I said being alone or not necessarily having a community that early on like when you were in that kind of situation did you feel like giving up did you think oh this is like too much let me just go back to my old life and live that life that the seniors were living or like what kept you from giving up or yeah talk me through that that is the one thing that I think is good about those 
overly priced trainings is that I had invested so much money in my education. There was no way I was giving up with my tail between my legs and going back to London. I had like done the big talk to all my friends. I was like, right, I'm doing property now, guys. And they were like, what are you talking about? Why are you doing property? This has got nothing to do with what you've done before. And I had invested a lot of time, a lot of money in my property education. At that point, I was like, well, there's no way I'm giving up now. I have to make it work. There is no going back. Uh, We bought a house up here. I actually really love the Northeast and I was just thinking, well, I can't go back to my life. Um, I need to make this work. So not, I would now not recommend that people do those big expensive trainings. There are so many other routes now that didn't exist at the time, or even if they did exist, I wouldn't have known about them. Um, so I wouldn't now recommend it. But I do think for me, it was key also because I had such a different mindset. Like, I think you're different. You're very entrepreneurial. You've always been thinking about the next thing that you can do. I was such a nine till fiver. I had such a bad mindset that was like, I'm just going to work until I die. And I just didn't know there was anything else out there. And that is what the training provided for me, that massive mindset shift. My mindset is now so wholly different to how it used to be. And that is what the training provided. And that is that. And the fact that I'd invested so much money, I couldn't possibly quit were the only things that I would now say, I'm so glad I did the training for that reason. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a few things there. One is the accountability. You told your friends, you, you, you'd made a deal about it. It was kind of like, oh crap, I have to do this now. You'd kind of already decided like, oh, you know, somewhat this life isn't for me. I don't want to like, I just don't want that. So there was something kind of pushing you there. But then also, you know, spending the money and a lot of training companies will not advertise that, but they know that, you know, that level of commitment financially can hopefully should lead to some sort of result. And a lot, and I spoke to a lot of people who say, oh, I went on a course, it was crap. But because I spent the money, I need to do something with it. And it's kind of like the side effect. It's like if you take a drug for a headache, but then, oh, wow, your, your biceps get bigger. You're like, well, that's all right. You know, I don't mind. So, like, it, it makes sense that, you know, that was a, a reason to push you. And, like, some people won't admit that, you know, like, but, like, it is what it is. If something pushes you, then you can use it to, to be motivated. And, you know, when you were starting out, there's 101 strategies. There's so many different ways of doing each strategy then. How did you know what was right for you? Yeah, that was really hard. I think I just knew that it was cash flow that I wanted to do. I wanted to replace what I used to make in social media. I knew that was going to be hard because I earned really well in a big agency in London. Of course, you get paid well for your time. Um, so I wanted to sort of get to what I was earning before, even though, you know, in the Northeast lifestyle, a bit cheaper, you don't really need that much. Um, so that was the goal, cash flow, which is why the Northeast is really good for that. Um, it's not necessarily good for capital appreciation. My properties will not go up hugely in value like they do in the South, but I will get cash flow from them. And that was that was the goal. I think my late part the Joe he was very shiny penny he would send me like links to like old care homes with 20 bedrooms and I was like what are you doing like we do, we cannot take a project that on that that's that big at the moment so I kept being the one who was bringing it back to sense and be like no little by to let's little three bed houses little two bed houses we can convert to three beds and we'll just slowly and steadily get there I'm now diversifying a bit because I've got that down I know how to do by to let's but I couldn't have done that before because that would have been really dumb. <laughs> so I'm now doing a uh, service accommodation. I'm now looking at a commercial deal. But um, yeah, by to let's was definitely the foundation and will be the foundation forever. Yeah. And I think, you know, as much as people can go straight into a new build, they can go straight into a commercial. It, it's kind of like, you know, yes, it can be. We can do anything we want. Anything can be done. But it's like what's sensible and what's a logical way of getting to something because 
even though with a new build, you're doing so much that you're not doing on a simple buy-to-let, and even an SA, you're doing like 20% more than you're doing on a simple buy-to-let. It's already so complex as it is, and there's already so many moving parts that people who want to rush to the end and get to that goal and, oh, no, I want to be doing new bills, 100 grand profit now. It's like, okay, but do you even know the difference between PVA and blue grit? Do you even know the difference between the types of plasterboards? No, but new builds. And it's like, okay, you know, a lot of it will be outsourced. You'll have project managers, but I think there's logic and there's reason um, and it's, I think you give yourself a nice learning curve. I don't saying people have to do 50 by toilets, but even just doing one, like with a sort of medium heavy refurb teaches you so much about everything, especially in the riskiest element of property that I think a lot of people could, you know, and you maybe should sort of look at what you've done there and take that simpler, I don't want to say easier, but you know, more logical approach to, where they want to be eventually and like you said it's a foundation because having a certain number of them you know they tick over uh, at least it from from my experience they're as passive as something can be that is a house with a tenant in and you know yes may not go up in huge amounts of value but it is still appreciate like you know it's not going down whilst everything else rises it rises right it, it runs in line with it and probably a bit too much looking at like the market right now so that makes a lot of sense and um, a lot of people are going to be in a situation you were in, looking at their seniors, looking at their job, thinking, oh, I can't do this anymore. don't want to do this. But then, like you said earlier, with your mindset, not knowing that there's a world out there and thinking, well, it's only 50 more years till I'm 65 or whatever the retirement age is. Um, I'll be all right. And it's like, you definitely won't be. You're going to be miserable. Um, how did you or how and slash when did you quit your job to pursue property versus staying in it to keep the income and doing property on the side? Way too soon. I quit it before I had any deals accepted, before I even knew the area. Like, I'm, again, not recommending that at all. But we had enough of an income from Joe um, to s- support our lifestyle up in the Northeast. So it worked. And I knew that I could always fall back on social media if I really had to. So it was, I was all in. I was sort of really raring to go and I just wanted to get it done and get started. Um, and there's no way I could have done it. that. That was before COVID. That was when working remotely is like a laughable idea. And in the Northeast, there were no big agencies like the one I worked for that I could, you know, transfer over. I, I might have done it that way if I could have done. It was more the distance. Like I was not commuting to London. I couldn't work from home because that didn't exist at the time. And there was nothing in, in Newcastle that re- resembled what I used to do. And if there was, the pay was like so ridiculously much lower that it was just crazy. Um, so... Yeah, so I just sort of went all in, but I definitely wouldn't recommend that now. I do think it's good to have another income stream. And I mean, that's why as well. Um, I think I think a property now is more of a long game. Like I'm not taking any money from my portfolio. Um, when the next two deals complete, that's me financially free. And I mean, it's hard to say what is financially free. Is it when all your bills are paid and, um, and you're sort of secure in that? Because then, yeah, I'm already financially free. In my next two deals, I'll be financially free in the way that that's covering all of my lifestyle expenses, holidays, et cetera. But... I'm still not going to touch that money. I'm not taking any money outside of that, of the the business, because I would rather keep property as more of a long-term thing. And at the moment, I'm making income through social media because I'm actually really enjoying that side. And because it's just, it's something that allows me to have my lifestyle whilst continuing that property part, keeping all the money in there so I can keep buying more and more property. Yeah, I think... Yeah, everyone has a different point when they can leave their job. But what you said there are the core elements, which is knowing that, you know, your basics are covered. You can't 
people will, but you can't leave your job thinking, oh, get, you know, do buy to let, which take months to find, months to do legals, months in the refurb, months to find a tenant, then your agent takes the first month's rent, and then, and then you get paid, and then you remortgage it, so then you actually get some profit. And so it's like, bloody hell, six months later, 300 quid a month. Um, like, you can't just quit your job and think, oh, yeah, 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 property will cover next month's rent or next month's bills. It's like, maybe a rent to rent might but even then you'd still need money to put into it and you're not really so it's kind of like you know do you have savings do you have income yours a partner's you know whatever it is do you have something that can support you because yeah and but and again you had a backup you could if you really had to go back into social media whether it's contracting permanent or whatever you had the skills you had the reputation you had the the cv that you could do that not everyone will have that and so they really need to look at their situation right and say what's my backup how much cash do I have? How much am I earning? Then let me quit my job. However, even though you might have quit it too soon, did it allow you to maybe grow quicker and do more because you were freer? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I would also add to that point is that you actually need to have quite a few before you see income coming because there's things like accountancy fees, there's things like property subscriptions, there's things like maintenance, like my first one, I did the full refurb, the only thing I didn't replace was the boiler, because it looked fine, guess what, it packed in six months in, and that was six months of rent, gone, wiped, so like, that is the thing about a portfolio, and obviously you bought loads all at the same time, so you know, it's having all of them together, that the ones that, you know, lose you some money are covered by the ones that make you some money, so having one or two is really not going to cut the mustard, you can't make an income just off one or two you need a whole portfolio for it to actually make a difference and to actually quit your job and that could take a really long time yeah and you know earlier on you mentioned that kind of community element of like not having that at the start it seems to me now that you've built or you've joined or you're part of various communities and I think it's so important to see people like you in property I look around I see men like they're they're just isn't the same number of women like statistically and even when you look at the the institutional side of that kind of property it's the same thing um so for you how has it been kind of maybe being having less women in property around you less people who are similar to you or like you and maybe not having a community like and how did you build that and and another question so many questions here have you come across any sexism uh, I know yeah. the answer in this industry, in this world, but for the people listening who may think it doesn't exist or whatever, let's, let's educate. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think in the Northeast, there's very, very few women, especially my age, that do what I do. So when I first moved here, I was part of a property community, but they were all older. They did tend to be more men. Um, and so I didn't really find anyone that was like me that I could really connect with. Um, that way so actually all of the community that I got from is not in person it's not in my area it's all online and that was all born from posting property from having an Instagram account that I built that was out there to help people and then because of that it attracted people like me to me and then we started chatting and you know through DMs it builds and builds and then you have a zoom call a little zoom coffee uh, and then you meet up through a networking event and that's it just takes time but over time that is how you build a community and in the lockdown we started and there was like a workout 
thing um, just for property women um, where you'd, you'd log in at, at 7am and do a workout. And um, when I first joined that, I mean, I'm not a morning person, even though I've read all the, you know, Miracle Morning, all of those things to try and change my mindset. I'm slightly better now, but I'm still not a great morning person. So when I first joined, I'd be completely silent. They'd be chatting away about property and things like that after the workout. And I just wasn't saying a word. Um, but now I'm part of this community of women that we, every, it's still to that every day now. And that was two years ago we started. We, we wake up, we do our uh, workout and then we have a chat and it could be about property. It could be about our lives. It could be anything. Um, and that is such a strong community. And we've met in person. We've had a few weekends away and we've become really close in it. So I would say as, you know, advice to other people, it's like connect with people on Instagram. Like don't wait for them to be in your area because they might not be. But if you connect with them over Instagram and, you know, send them messages back and forth, meet up every now and again, go to those networking events and build that community. It will take time, but it's so worth it. It's like, it makes you feel like you're part of something bigger and it makes you realize there's people like you out there, which you might not have realized. Cause I really thought at the beginning, there was no one like me out there, but there are, they're just not necessarily exactly where I live. And to answer your last question about uh, sexism, I have a hundred percent in the Northeast. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, in, property I would go up to properties and um, I'd be there in you know my my scrubs like helping out in the property doing all the like the non-skilled bits like the rip out and things like that and I would always be asked like oh well how do you get the money to do this is it through your husband um and you know and just giving me side eyes and like what is she doing here like you definitely get a lot of people just and underestimating you and thinking and a lot of people when I go to viewings think I'm doing it for my male wealthy boss um they're like oh who are you buying this property for I'm like for me and every time they think it's for an older man rather than for myself <laughs> that's that's so yeah i mean it, it, it doesn't surprise me because of the world we live in you know it's, it's not shocking to hear um i mean like when firstly did you expect this in property i assume yes but secondly you know how does it make you feel and does it does it kind of motivate you more or does it kind of do the opposite I don't things things don't phase me very much. It really goes over my head. I just laugh with them when they when they make jokes about like my rich husband. I'm like, yeah, I wish. Um, and I just it really doesn't bother me. I, it doesn't phase me very much. It phases me more for other people who would get bothered by that, and for younger generations, and for all the other women rather than for myself because things like that really don't touch me. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not super bothered, and I I just think does it does it motivate me? Not really. I get motivation from myself. I get motivation from people that um that inspire me. So I don't get motivation from people who doubt. Like why would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I agree. And so social media is something we've kind of mentioned and we spoke about at the beginning. Now, obviously, one of the big things it's done is build a community. Now, I think a community can do many, many things, as well as just the sort of supportive element, the mental health element, which is big, especially in property, because like you said, it's so lonely. You know, that element is a big, big element of it. But actually, you know, you can raise money from it. You can find deals from it. You can, like, there's so much you can do from it that actually, because a lot of people, a lot of people say to me, oh, well, if I spend time on social media, then, you know, I'm taking time away from my business or generating profit. And it's like no yes and no because actually this can generate profit so apart from the community and that what else has social media given you and maybe some of the people you teach how to use social media what kind of things has it given you and them because I want people to understand the benefits and why it's worth them putting time into social media 
I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is exactly how I think people should look at social media. Treat it as a business action. Do not treat it as like, this is what social media used to be when I first started. Like it was a long time ago and that social media was like the baby in the corner. Like no brands allocated any money to social media. And now suddenly it's a big focus because they've realized it's where the money's at. And it's, and now I'm encountering that same attitude sometimes with property investors where they're like treating it as like the baby in the corner. I'm like, it is like one of the most important elements of your business growing and scaling your business through social media is absolutely huge like why would you not treat it as a business action like of course you should invest time and money into it because it's a business action like anything like direct to vendor like like any other strategy within property it's a business action and so it should be treated as such and in terms of um what people have achieved from it i mean it's just next level in terms of angel investment that they've managed to raise in terms of um, growing their personal brand and their personal profile so that they're now on, you know, on podcasts, they're um, in, you know, big headline news um, articles. Um, they have grown networks around them that have allowed them to get in touch with, um, you know, builders or trades in the area or um, other investors in the area who have leveraged them and given them, um, you know, opportunities that they might, might not have gotten beforehand. So, it's really sort of never ending what you can get from social media and you and some of the things you won't even expect. I imagine with you when you first started, you were sort of documenting and doing a thing. You didn't actually realize how much you could actually get from it. It's one of those things that sort of snowballs as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the exposure that you mentioned, that like people going on podcasts, people kind of being asked to be in magazines and newspapers, things like that, like that kind of thing, especially in today's world, builds the credibility and the trust that will lead to, you know, someone calling you out the blue and saying, oh, you know, I've got a house I want to sell. I don't like estate agents. You seem trustworthy. Saw you on here, saw you on there, whatever. Or oh, I met you at an event. And, or, you know, the best kind of things, I suppose, for us investors is, oh, hey, I've got 100 grand. I've got 300 grand. I'm looking to invest it. You know, I don't want to be involved. What can you do for me? Um, or even, <clears throat> you know, I've had it before, like property traders, for example, who are very... Uh, mysterious and don't really talk and they just put stuff in auction and they disappear kind of say to me or kind of watch me for six months and then be like I think you're ready I think you've graduated I was like only took six months uh, and to send me deals and the best some of the best deals I've ever had and when the market you know returns to normal whatever that is we'll be doing business again and like if it can get you deals and it can get you money I mean what else do you need in property you know if you got money you got deals you got deals, you got money there, there is nothing else there um Emily for people who say like oh you know it's, it's a waste of time like real g's move in silence like I'm not going to tell people you know I just want to kind of do it behind the scenes what do you say to people like that if you can do that then great go ahead and do it like if you can build your property empire without being on social media brilliant like that's great and that's all we're trying to do isn't it like build our businesses so if you've already achieved that or if you are achieving that without social media then then you don't need it but what it does do is allows you to do that faster and better and allows you to connect with other people who are doing that as well so I, I, I'm all for not doing business actions if they're not giving you the ROI. Like I wouldn't, you know, for a director vendor, if you're sending out hundreds and hundreds of letters every week and you're getting no response, then you stop doing it, don't you? Um, if you're seeing something in your business that's not working and that you've, you've tried the consistency route and it's not working, then absolutely don't do it anymore. But with this, it's just huge. And if you need if you need more deals and if you need more um, angel investment, which pretty much 99.9% of property investors need, then why wouldn't you be on social media growing it? 
Yeah. And then another thing people say is, they, they, you know, they might say to you, okay, yeah, fine, that makes sense. But like, I'm really private. I don't want people knowing like every element of my life. You know, I don't want them putting it all out there. When people say that, what do you think? You don't have to put every element of your life, don't you? I mean, you don't have to put all about your kids and all about what they do. If anything, you know, maybe you don't want to put that because not everyone's interested in that. <laughs> but what I do think is really important is showing your true self. That doesn't mean you have to show every crevice of your life and every private detail of your life, but it is showing the real you coming through because otherwise it's just going to be boring and people aren't going to get to know you and trust you and like you. And that is how you get them to invest in you or, you know, send you an opportunity. They do that because they get to know you and they trust you. Like you were saying, it's that people watch and watch and watch for six months. And then suddenly that's when they start investing. I've had loads of friends who sort of, when I said to them, oh, I'm doing property, were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then they see me doing it on social media day in, day out. And they're like, oh, she's actually doing what she said she was doing. Like she actually knows what she's doing. I've got some money sat in the bank. I'm going to invest with Millie because she actually is showing the consistently showing what she's doing and showing me every sort of side of the property business and the the highs and the lows. And I think that's something you're amazing at is showing the lows because they are so many lows, (laughs) so, so many lows. And people think that they just have to show the sugar-coated version. It's like, no, absolutely not. Show the gritty, the terrible, because you're showing people like, I'm doing this so that you don't have to. Like, you invest with me, do absolutely nothing. I take on all of this crap. And um, we're both winners. Like, that is exactly how it should be. So people who say, like, I don't want to show everything in your life, you don't have to show everything. But you do have to show your true self because people will get to know you that way and trust you that way. And that's where business opportunities happen. 100%. I mean, I've connected more with you over Italian food and bread than property. I think we've ever, I think we've spoken about one thing in property and, and that was it. I don't think we've ever really spoken about property. Like, and we probably won't ever because, like, there's so many other things that we, like, are interested in. And, like, I only know that because you share it. And then you might only know that I do because I've shared it or I've mentioned it or I've, like, I've made the effort to actually respond to a story or comment. Because a like or just being like, oh, yeah, Millie was baking bread today. Cool, whatever. Is like, oh, okay. But you don't know. And then the social element of social media is not there. It's just media. So I'm looking at your media. You're looking at mine. Cool. But we took the effort to be social based off what we saw. Like, and that extra step, which, yeah, look, it takes an extra 30 seconds to type out a message and it does to just go like and tap it. But that makes a big, big difference in, in general, right? Um, and like on that, on that I'm still on that, on that note of kind of not showing things, showing things. You again, you show like everything. You show you're going swimming in the sea your your dog Bruce who's everywhere I'm surprised he's not sitting on your head right now or behind you um like you show like you you probably show uh, I'm going to say slightly more life than property right I think from my observations I don't see everything at least on your story I suppose my question is why do you do that and two has it has it done more because some people are going to say oh I'm only going to show property stuff right move right move right move ugh so boring but has the way you've done it, which is showing your life, do you think it's done more for you than if you were just showing property stuff? So two questions there. 100%. Because if it was just property, all of my friends and my family would not be interested. So they would switch off. They wouldn't do that. And that is how I've invested. That's how I've never used my own money in property. I've only ever used family and friends and even one random person who I actually don't know um, who came through a recommendation um, and because they saw what I was doing. So 
yeah, like it's definitely helped because if I was just doing property, they would switch off. But the mix of personal and property allows friends and family who might be potential investors to, you know, connect with the property stuff that I'm doing and be part of that journey that I'm part of as well in property. Like I was showing it from the very beginning, you know, my first offer, I put the first offer that got accepted, it was my 61st offer. And I was showing that I was showing the consistency of going out there doing viewings and getting rejection after rejection. So they saw that. And they saw the effort I was putting in and that made them want to invest in me more. Um, so, but I was showing that alongside showing my dog and, you know, yeah, a lot of people are there for Bruce. I'm not going to lie. They're there for my dog because he's very cute and he's not here today, actually, because I shipped him off to my friends because I was worried he might like do a little bark or something in the background. Um, but normally, yeah, he would be on my shoulder and he's normally quite cush, but, um, I, you know, you never know. Um, but yeah, I show all of those things because some people are there for different aspects. Some people are there for the dog. Some people are there for the lifestyle. Some people are there for property. I'm just showing them a bit of everything. And if they're not interested in the baking, for example, I always show my bakes. I love my bakes. Um, if they're not interested, they can skip that story. That's fine. And so I, I just think showing all the parts of my life has been really great for me. You don't have to. I have seen people be super successful with just showing, not just showing property, because don't get me wrong, if you just do like here's another viewing, here's another viewing, that is boring, people will switch off. But they don't necessarily show anything about their private lives. They might, people might not know they have children, people not, might not know exactly where they live. They've just done it based on like, you know, actions that they're taking during the day, not necessarily really private ones. So yes, you can get away with not showing every part of your life. I found that it's been hugely important for me. It's got people to um, really connect with me. And that is why when Joe died um, last August, um, I got such a massive in influx of messages from the property community who had been watching all my stories. And, you know, not like you're saying, they weren't necessarily like re responding to me every time or anything, but they had been watching that. So they got to know me. They knew me. They knew me. They knew Joe because they'd seen all of the stories I was posting. You know, every time he was back from the Navy, I'd, I'd hand him a hammer and be like, get to work. And they would laugh about that. Um, and they got to know us. And so when he died, that was a personal thing for them too. Like, I can't tell you how many people were personally affected and were grieving, even though they'd never met me or Joe. Um, and that is because I'd shown my personal life. And I think that the value of sharing who you really are is incalculable. I agree. And I think that's a really powerful example because, you know, a lot of people will just watch and you'll never know that they are loving your content or they're like, part of your life almost like they love following your updates or they love following your dog or your partner or whatever like you know because following property is it is what it is and it's like if 10 of us were on social media and we did viewings like and, and we all showed property stuff it would look fairly similar especially if we didn't put our personality into it but if the 10 of us are showing some property stuff because it's what we do it's our life but then we're showing the other weird shit we get up to and the people in our lives and, and whatever that in my opinion it makes us more investable because someone's not investing in ah Ted is really good at you know analyzing structural cracks on viewings yeah love it I mean they are 1% is thinking that because they're thinking actually my money's safe with him because I know he's done a full structural thing and it, like we're good but really, they're like, I like Ted. I don't like Ted. I love Millie. I don't like Millie. I'm not going to invest. I'm going to invest in her. And they're investing in us. Like I have so many investors, you know, and you and your clients will see the same thing where they don't ask about the deal. They just say, yeah, how much do you want? Or, you know, or like, what's the Ray? What's this kid? Like, there's not even a, what's it for? It's like, yeah, cool. I like you. I follow you. I know you. Like, I'm giving you the money. And 
like you said, people cannot show that stuff. That's fine. But, you know, bluntly, you're going to be at a disadvantage, I think, unless you show personality at the minimum in some shape or form. Like, even if you're doing viewings, oh, here's the front door. Or you make a joke about it, or you, you kind of put your personality on that image. And that makes you so much more investable um, than kind of not doing that. And when people start on social media, there's one, two, there's like four or five platforms. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn... YouTube, what, have I missed? Have I missed one of those? Five? About five? I mean, there's more, there's but they're niche and you wouldn't want to use them. Like, who's using Twitter and property? No one. Yeah, no one. And yeah, Twitter's hard work. So, wh- like, why did you choose Instagram and how do people know which social media they should choose? That's a great question because it completely depends on the person and who their target audience is. So my target audience is property investors and my family and friends. Property investors because I'm teaching them about social media, giving them hacks and tricks and whatever to to learn how to do social media and then getting my client base from there. So that is my core target audience. But it is also family and friends. I want them to see what I'm up to. I want them to potentially invest in future projects um, later on. So that is who my target audience is. So Instagram made a huge amount of sense because that's where all the property investors are. And that's where my friends and family are, given my age, given my social network, etc. That is where they are. If you are a 45-year-old or 50-year-old who has been working in finance, say, all of your life, you're now decided you want to do property, um, you have a huge amount of connections through LinkedIn, um, because obviously that is where financiers meet and talk and, and and update their profile and talk about what's going on in the world and finance, etc. Then, of course, you should be leveraging LinkedIn because guess what? All of your ex-colleagues are going to be people who might invest in you. They've seen um, you know all the work you've done previously. You've worked with them. They trust you. And now you're talking about property and new deals and you need investment for it. They're going to be the most likely. They're going to be the lowest hanging fruit and they're going to be living on LinkedIn. So that is the the platform you should focus on. If you are a young person who um, is just getting started in property, maybe you're 20 and like you've seen what other people are doing in property and think, you know what, you're an entrepreneurial 20 year old and you you think you could you make a difference in property. You're going to slowly but surely get there. the best thing to do for you is probably TikTok because um, you want to show other young people what you're doing in property. And guess what? Most of your age group is going to be on TikTok more than any other platform. So it really depends on where your audience is and what they're doing on that platform as well. Like YouTube, for example, second largest search engine in the world. So if you um, are teaching people about building, say um, you've got a building course, like a building 101 in a a house, um, or you're a PM or a contractor, and you want to teach, instead of doing, you know, one uh, each house, you want to actually teach large scale and get money from that. Guess what? YouTube is the best place because people are typing how to plaster, how to this. So that's where they'll find you. So it's all about who your target audience is, like your age group, your what you're trying to achieve. It's all about that. Not about like everyone should be on Instagram, you know? Yeah, I agree. And do you think um, people's strengths should play into it? So if someone's not good on video and they're a bit, a bit of more of a corporate person, maybe they should be on LinkedIn. And if they're really good at audio, they should have a pod. Like, do you think that should come into it? Or do you think sometimes we make excuses like, oh, I'm not good on video and you just need to get better at it? I do think that plays into it. Um, I wouldn't, if someone is really bad on camera and uh, has a really slow, monotonous voice with like no tonality to it, for example, like, please don't start a YouTube 
Mine's going to be so boring. Um, but and if you and if you hate the idea of video editing and all of that, and it's just not your bag at all, then maybe that shouldn't be your platform. So I do think it should come into it somehow. But I don't think it's a be all and end all because property and everything related to property is all about coming out of your comfort zone. So if something doesn't feel comfortable, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not right. All of my clients, the first thing they say to me is, oh, but by the way, Millie, I'm not going to be one of those people who gets in front of the camera. Guess what? They're all in front of the camera now. Because I was like, yeah, we'll see about that. That's session one. After session eight, we'll talk. And by then they're like, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. I'm in front of the camera now. It's fine. Um, Because that is just a question of, growing your mindset, growing that out of that comfort zone because no part of, com- of property is comfortable. No single part of it is comfortable. So you need to get used to getting out of that comfort zone. Yeah. I, a lot of people will say to me, I mean, you definitely said nicer, but a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, oh, I'm not good on camera or like, oh, I, I need to do it. I want to do it. But like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, shut up. Like, you're just chatting shit. Like, because when you were one, you couldn't walk. You couldn't talk. Now look at you. Fucking do your chatting shit right now. Um, So get in front of a camera practice you know blah, blah blah do all the techniques practice go follow Millie's instagram take on those tips practice 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 get it out there get feedback and like with anything just like you said about comfort zone get out of your comfort zone obviously if you know you haven't got the monotonous of voice etc but you have to push to in order to expand that kind of zone and what you're comfortable what you're able with doing and like you said, a lot of people come back and say, oh, it's not as bad as I thought, you know, or, oh, I love making the videos or I got really good feedback. And then people realize, oh, actually, yeah. And the same with property. Oh, my God, how can I do a refurb? Ten later, you're like, how could I do another one? I hate them. Bloody been there, done that. So, you know, it, it does change you the more you do it. And when people are starting out, a lot of people, I think, get quite hung up on sort of the name. So company name or brand name, logos, colors you know, that sort of stuff. How important is that to you when people are creating a sort of personal brand in property? Um, so I totally agree. Like, and I think within social media, it's much more important than it is with property. Like I, for example, agonized over what my property uh, limited company should be. No one needs to know what your limited company name is. It's very likely that you'll be creating several and then putting them under an umbrella at some point. So it doesn't make any difference what your property... Li- and also one big mistake I see everyone make is that they take their uh, the limited company through which they're buying properties and they, that's the name of their, their, their social media handle on Instagram. I'm like, you don't need to do that. Like it doesn't need... And they're like, oh, well, but, but that's the name of my company. It's like, who cares? No one cares. <laughs> like it doesn't matter that that's the company through which you're buying a property. That's just a vehicle to acquire properties it's got nothing to do with your personal branding your personal branding is about you not about the company um, and one big thing mis- mistake i see people make is hiding behind a logo you know they'll have their um their business name that on on instagram there their handle is going to be their property company name and the uh, picture the profile image is going to be their logo i'm like oh my god that's so boring where are you they, they don't even have their names in the in the profile. I'm like, who, who am I supposed to be referring to here? It makes them sound like a nameless, faceless company, which is the exact opposite of what they should be trying to do, which has become personable, relatable, and someone that you want to invest in. Why would you invest in, you know, random, random company with a logo? You don't even know who they are. And so absolutely, I think that is hugely important. Um, but one thing I would say is that, it does make a difference. So like when I worked with um, Charlotte from Accidental Female Developer, like mm-hmm. we workshopped that handle together before it was at Charlotte Homes or something like that. 
how impactful is accidental female developer because she was she accidentally got into property development and the name lends to that and then people think oh why is it that and then they learn about her story and her story is insane it's amazing it's beautiful and really really um, impressive and that handle lends to that so handles do make a difference i do think it is important but please don't obsess about it too much like if you want help on that we can talk about it um but a lot of the time it can just be your name and that's all it has to be yeah and yeah her story is amazing and actually the name works so well because it's got three different things in it all of which is something to talk about separately and then something to talk about together and then in different ways and like there's just so much i suppose when you see that tag you can ask like there's so much conversation that can come from it it's like well how does this all tie together and why and what does it mean and so like it's a solid tag that you know i think she's the only one who has a tag like that that i'm aware of um it's like super unique it's what people will refer to her as and then also when they discover the story they'll hopefully be inspired to say that oh well i could they can do it i can do it and so there's there's so much that goes on with a tag now i think it's hard to think of a good tag especially one as powerful as that um because i know people get kind of stuck on like what should i call it what does the name have to be but yeah solid advice like don't get hung up on that and speaking of things that people get hung up on you know what are some of the common mistakes that you see people make in social media whether people are new to it or whether people are experienced what are some common mistakes that people just keep making I think a lot of people go on Instagram, see what other people are doing and think, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So they just copy it. So my feed is often filled with like um, a picture of a property mid reefer, but it's like rip out has begun or um, we're doing second fix now. And it's just a bit boring and it's a bit samey and loads of other people are doing it. So that's where personal branding comes in. And that's where you need to stand out on the feed and be your own person and be different. So don't just look at what others are doing and think, oh, well, if they're doing it, I should do the same thing. It's like, no, you should do your own thing. You should do something that stands out and that doesn't just make you blend in with everyone else. Like if I see another picture of a swirly carpet, it's so boring. Um, you need to stand out and, and you don't, and it's not just through color. You know, people think of branding and they think about color. And of course you've become like really renowned for being that bright yellow, which I'm surprised you're not wearing right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I just, you know what? I just forgot. I just literally forgot. I was just like, Blech, fine. They, my editor can Photoshop it and make me yellow. Like the whole, I just stay yeah. still the whole time. I mean, you don't need to anymore because that is now what people think of you as. Like, if it, oh, the guy in the yellow. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's him. So, a hundred percent, there is something really powerful about having a color that's you and that really, you know, speaks to people um, about who you are and what you're doing. Um, it doesn't have to be a color though. It could be a person or a thing. Um, for example, Bruce. Like everyone always mentions Bruce whenever I meet them because he is basically my personal branding. <laughs> like he's part of my branding. He's per- he's part of my um like personality, as is my baking and the fact that I'm really anal about food because I'm Italian and if people do something disgusting to pasta, I will tell them that it's unacceptable. Mm, um so I got yeah. a reputation for being um, you know, uh, a bit of a food snob which I'm totally okay with um so like there's all these elements that come into play and one of the biggest things one of the sessions I do with clients is well let's think about what makes you you what are the things you love what are the things you hate what are the things that friends are like always telling you um that's really weird that you do that or I love that you do that what are those things because let's play on those let's use them is there something you always put on your head is there um something you always do with your hands like are you always doing this with your hands all the time I don't know um like property apprentice he always says big up the grafters that's his like tagline um Mm. so like is there a tagline is there something you say all the time is there something you do all the time is there someone you're with all the time 
play on what that is. It does not have to be all colour done through Canva, really professionally edited. It doesn't have to be. It just has to be something that makes you memorable. Like I always think of, you know, Keith Furman property. Um, whenever I see a cat or a Magnum, I think of him because I know because he always talks about the fact that he's obsessed with Magnum ice creams. And when I was in Venice and I saw a Magnum shop, I took a picture of it. And I sent it to him. I was like, you're Mecca. Um, because I knew that that was his thing. And that is how you connect with people. That's how you make a connection by showing those little quirks that make you you that is what makes people connect so that is a big thing that I would say is a big piece of advice is think about what those things are what can you play up what can you work on to get people to like understand who you really are I love that and I've, I've been to that magnum store in Venice actually it was um I don't know it was a bit it was a bit underwhelming I don't know I just it was, it was a magnum made in front of me and then some toppings and I was like yeah but I could kind of I don't know it just it was nice but and also a strange place to have it. Like I thought this really incredible old, I know it's super touristy now, but like old, beautiful town of Venice and you got some new mag. I'm like, I, don't, I want some Italian stuff, not like this. Just But anyways, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that. that. I, I didn't go there because if you're in Italy, you should be having gelato, like fresh yeah. gelato. What are you doing getting a Magnum ice cream that you can get anywhere in the world? Go get yourself a gelato. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that just shows how touristy the place is and has become. Um I think I call that identifiers. So it's like having something, you know, like one of my mentees has like a flat cap or geezer cap. I just call them like from Peaky Blinder style. Wears it everywhere. And then I said to him, just, just keep wearing it. Keep doing it in your videos. Keep being seen with it. And he goes, yeah, after a couple of months, people were like, hey, you know, you with that. And like, just because it's natural human classical conditioning to associate things together. And it, it's easier for us to remember visual things than it is to remember a, a name or like a, a conversation or a specific thing. So I think it makes a lot of sense to have identifiers. Now, um, people are always looking for hacks and silver bullets and, oh, how do I go viral? How do I grow really quickly? You know, I, I think that hacks and things like that don't tend to necessarily exist. I think there's some core principles that work. But are there any like, you know, super highly effective you know, big punch, sort of heavyweight tips or tricks that you can give, I suppose, particularly about Instagram, that can help people grow? I would say to people who say, how do I get viral? How do I get thousands of followers? Why do you want them? Like, I think a lot of people get fixated on the idea of like success equals huge numbers of followers or or your video going viral. Actually, that's the last thing you want. If my video went viral, I'd be raging because it would suddenly be loads of people who weren't my target audience following me, which would make my engagement really low, which would stop people seeing the people I want to be seeing my content, seeing my content. I would much rather have a smaller following who are all my exact target audience and who are all engaged and who, who will know me really well. Like that is so much more important than having loads of followers. If, it, if my video went viral, those people would all start following me random people, none of them in property, none of them interested in what I'm doing, then the the algorithm would be like, well, right, you need to create more viral stuff now because, you know, you've got you've got to keep that going. And then that would be really hard to do because you can't predict what goes viral. And your engagement will start dropping. They'll stop showing your content to your actual real target audience. Terrible. I don't want to go viral. I don't want thousands of followers. I'm really happy with my small numbers of very engaged, exactly right target audience. So that is the first thing I would say. But of course, I will also give you some advice about like how to, you know, increase, you know, do better on your social media. 
this is really unsexy, but consistency is really important. Like it's like with property where people are like, oh, what's a civil bullet in property? Like how do I make millions? It's like, well, actually a lot of the time it's through consistent action. So within property, it's continuing to view, it's making uh, relationships with estate agents, it's following up on old deals and offers you've put in. It's the same with social media. It's like consistency, posting regularly. So it, um, it doesn't have to be that you have to post every single day. I don't post every day. I don't recommend posting every day. But say you've said to yourself, right, I'm posting three times a week make sure you do still post those three times a week. And there are consistent actions you can take daily to help grow your following. So if you want more followers, um, it would be um, 15 minutes before you post, go um, on Instagram and start engaging. Um, Go on your stories, comment back to anything that speaks to you. Like, don't do fake engagement for the love of God. I know some people do this. They copy and paste the same message, like a whole bunch of flames, for example, flame emojis. And they'll do that on every single person's post because they think that they've heard that somewhere, that that's a really good idea. Terrible idea. Please don't do that. Not only will it make you hated, and I know someone in property who does that, and we all talk about them all the time and how annoying they are. So like, it's a small community. Don't be pissing people off in property. Um, But anyway, so it's not about fake engagement. It should be people you would want to engage with anyway. Maybe they put um, a post out and it's actually giving you tremendous amount of value. You would comment saying, that's amazing. Or have you thought about this? Or, you know, chip in with a thought. And yeah, that'll take a bit of time. But all you have to do every day is consistently do those actions. So 15 minutes before you put your own post out, you can go out and you can start liking and commenting on other people's um, posts. You can send DMs to people based on their stories, building a real human connection with them. When your post goes out, the likelihood is those people are more likely to see your post. Instagram is warmed up and they think, you know what, you're a valuable member of the community. I'm going to show your post to more people because you've actually actively partaken in that community too. So Instagram sees that and and knows that. So I would say that is a big thing that you can do, like a consistent action you can take every day, which does not take long and adds value and will help your Instagram grow as well. I love it. And consistency, I suppose, applies to any thing in life but particularly when there's an algorithm kind of watching you and kind of tracking you and saying we want more content want more consistency um reels reels have kind of evolved from you know i suppose first just being there to compete with tiktok from instagram then kind of becoming their own thing then becoming quite edited but also ones that are not edited but reels i suppose the one at least the ones i see that do the best in terms of just pure engagement and this is not necessarily what you want is kind of glossy the music goes with it it's nicely edited blah blah blah. what are your thoughts on reels and maybe the production quality because a lot of people will look at the popular reels and say oh like i haven't got an editor i have to do oh i just want to make content and most people have an iphone or a good quality smartphone so what are your thoughts on production values on reels i use my iPhone I don't have highly edited videos you'd expect maybe that I would put more effort more money more time into that but actually I want to show my audience that this is how you can do it just with an iPhone not spending a lot of time on it I never spend very long on my content like I spend the time and effort but I don't you know, obsess over getting it perfect, perfect, perfect every time because I'm sure because I'm I'm acting as a as an example. I want to show people it can just be a bit rough and ready. It doesn't have to be super glossy and perfect for it to be impactful. Um, and with reels, there's so many different types of reels. People get afraid of them because they think that you have to be dancing in front of a camera or it has to be super slick and edited. Reels could be anything. It could be you reacting. You know the green screen effect on Instagram. 
Mm-hmm. Be you reacting to a headline piece of news that's behind you. It could be a piece of news about how um, inflation has hit 10% or whatever. It could be you reacting to that. That's all. And that would not take very long to create, would it? Um, it's not an, a beautifully edited thing with loads of images, etc. Um, reels are just a video. So stop thinking of them as this whole, you know, being that is scary and untouchable. It's just a video. And a video can be made up of images. You could do a before and after of your property um, using a trending sound um, that you like. That's like one, two, three, and then reveal, for example. And you take one, two, three, you put your old pictures of how the house used to be and then you show the transformation that is just images of the house that you've thrown together in a reel it doesn't need to be perfect think about your target audience do they need it to be perfect like unless you're trying to be a massive influencer um which again i'm not trying to be i can't emphasize this enough i do not want more followers (laughs) um i like if you want thousands and thousands of followers if you want to be an influencer then yeah, you do probably have to spend a bit more time and make it really perfect. But none of you really need to do that. You're in property for a reason. You're doing it to do property, not to do, not to be an influencer. So it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be a bit more interesting than a single image post. And that's not to say that you shouldn't do single image posts because I think there's a place for all types of content. That's the best thing about Instagram. The fact that it's basically like 10 platforms in one. You've got reels, you've got carousel images, which is the, the swipe um, gallery type posts you've got single images you've got just sing- just a video you have so many things you can do and just use that you know vary it vary it a bit because things like so say a carousel that was a, a, a really educational one that you're teaching like hard to understand concepts you couldn't do that in a funny reel people it wouldn't land um and people wouldn't understand it whereas in a carousel People can actually have the time to read through it and swipe and learn, and they're much more likely to save that and come back to it. And Instagram loves a save. It's a big tip for the algorithm. It's like this person has found it so impactful. They've saved it and then they come back to it later. That's not just a like. That's not a view. That is an engaged follower right there. So there is a huge place for content like that, as well as more sort of funny, silly reels. Because with reels, remember as well, people are unlikely to read the caption as much because the sound keeps playing. It's actually really annoying. You know, when you're watching a reel and it's played out two times and the sound keeps going and all you want to do is read the caption because that's where the value is. But the caption is huge and the sound keeps playing. You're like, oh my God, stop. It's really annoying. So don't do a reel where you're trying to educate or deliver loads of value because the chances are people aren't going to read it because it's going to be too annoying. Do that in a single image post. Do that in a carousel post. Use the reels to be a bit silly, a bit light or to show before and after. Great tips there. Really, really good tips. I think, you know, there's no excuse, you know, for for getting started. Everyone will spend £1,000 on their freaking smartphone. They will come with great cameras. Yes, I think lighting, I think, is important when you're doing a video in general. Ring lights on Amazon, 20 quid. The best light is what God's given us out the freaking window, you know? Like, the best light is maybe not in winter, which is, you know, 10 months of the year here. But, you know, there is no excuse, monetary or time-wise, um, the only thing is, though, the Re- the Reels app, as in the Instagram app, pisses me right off. Most You edit stuff, and then it crashes, or it doesn't look. I'm just like, you lot have billions of dollars, right, in 2022, and you can't make a good app. I'm just like, what the frick? But, you know, one of many challenges um, with social media. And- so, I mean, yeah, Ooh. I agree. I agree. Reels are glitchy AF. Um, I like recently did one. I spent ages crafting it. You know, I've said, it goes against what I just said about spending ages. This, this one was a bit longer. So I wanted to really like tell a story in it. Um, and I spent ages making sure that the, the, the different, um, 
captions came up at different times. When I posted it, it completely messed it up. So now they're overlapping one another. And I'm like, it makes me look like an amateur. And I'm like, this is so annoying. I actually made sure this was perfect before it went live and it glitched. But um, one way around that is you can make the video on TikTok, which is, you know, a lot better in functionality yeah. than Instagram, I've got to say. So you can create the video in, in TikTok, save it down. And there are um, apps where you can remove the watermark from TikTok if you want to remove it so that it looks like you've created an Instagram, but you actually you've created it in TikTok. So if you're really worried about that, you can do that. But to be honest, am I worried? No. I went again and did another one and it glitched again. And I was like, oh my God, that's so annoying. Maybe next time I will use TikTok. At the end of the day, I don't care that it glitches a little bit because it's not about it being perfect. It's about telling that story and about what I wanted to put out there. Yeah, I agree. And you know what you said earlier about you don't want more followers. That's such a good point. And it makes so much sense, like mathematically as well. And just logically makes sense. Obviously, the caveat is a lot of people know that the more followers you have, the more that people buy into you and the more people will think you're sort of bigger or more investable maybe or they'll buy something off you because society is dumb and they just say oh my god so many followers okay bye bye instead of obviously looking at the engagement rates and things like that because I see loads of fake followers property non-property and I'm just like this is so obvious but yet they're making money you know or, or they're kind of selling a product but it goes back to this essay by um what's his name Kevin Kelly I think he's in the, the um, Tim Ferriss book where it's called a thousand true fans have you read it no Oh, I'm going to send this to you. So he basically wrote an essay kind of saying what you just said there, but kind of explaining with some maths how you only really need a thousand true fans, not followers, but fans who will buy X amount of product, X amount of times, and you've basically got a hundred grand income over a year. Maybe less relevant for property, but obviously, you know, you, you teach people things. So we sell products, both of us. It's really interesting kind of reading. People should go out there and read that and realize like, Everything that Millie said this whole podcast has really been on focusing the connection with people, creating a deeper connection. And remember, we put a story out. There's a thousand people plus who are seeing this. So we're building a relationship with thousands of people. And we don't, but we don't have to sit down for dinner with a thousand people and ask, how, how, tell me about your family. Tell me, uh, it just happens passively. And most of our stories, Millie, is our life. It's not like we're saying got to go here get a picture go here it's like oh I'm here I'm doing this let me get a snap let me get a video and like, I think that just shows actually it's not passive of course it's not but it's kind of like just documenting your life like Gary V always says can do so much for the connection and so much for the money you can raise and the money you can create so Millie, as we kind of come to the end of this podcast is there um, a technology or an app or some software that you really cannot live without not it can't be Instagram or, or or social media. I would say I do use Canva a fair amount. Um, so Canva, there is a free version. I'm actually on the free version. I used to have the paid version, and then you know I'm stingy. People in property, we're stingy. We're always trying to save money. Um, so actually, yeah. even in the free version, you get a lot of stuff. And within Canva, that's where I create my carousels, my single images, because for me it was important to have a bit of branding. So you know we were talking about colors earlier. I do have that coral color that people associate with me. So I like to create slightly more curated images rather than just a picture of a property and text underneath. It's fine if that is your approach, by the way. But if you want to add a bit of branding elements to it, then Canva is a really great way of doing that. So I would say that Canva is a huge one. I love Canva. I have the paid version, but I just love them. That I would just pay them anyway. Like, I just think she's such a genius, the founder of it. And like what she's created is like 
just out of this world. Compared, especially compared to like Adobe and things like that, which cost way more and are so more like pro, they're so hard to use. Like I use Canva for like e- everything, anything, invoices, wedding invites. I'm doing at the moment, like anything. Boom, Canva. Um, it's an incredible, incredible kit. And yeah, the free version though is pretty epic. Like you, again, it's it's better than everything else, even better than some paid stuff. So Billy, um, if people want to learn social media and they want to know, you know, what the hell to do, how to do it, um. Can they come and speak to you? Do you do you do anything that can help them? Yeah, so follow me on Posting Property because there you will get loads of free advice. There's like funny videos, there's stuff about property as well. It's just a bit about, like you were saying, I talk a lot about my dog, about baking. It's, it's a bit of everything. Um, so you will learn from that. But if you want sort of in-depth help, then you need like more one-to-one support. You want a workshop, a handle. You want to learn how to do it properly. And maybe you see Tej and you think, wow, he's got an amazing social media. I would love to sort of get to a professional level rather than just, you know, if you're someone who maybe like buys, deciding to buy a couple of properties, you maybe need one or two angels. You know what? You probably can DIY it. You can look at free advice. You can take it on and just do it that way. If you are looking to escalate a bit more, if you're looking to really grow a personal brand, really connect with people, then we can work more on a one-to-one basis. And that's where I do my program where um, I work with people individually and like and do that together. And I just... I just love it so much because I you, I see you grow and I tell you off and that's one of my favorite things to do in life to tell people off if they don't follow my advice. Um, so it's just it's just a win win all around. <laughs> and I love it and you know the results and, and and actually with with what you're doing the results are there because people just need to follow the people that you've taught and I follow them and I can see the results and it's like it's one of those things where you can just say well look go look at their profile, you know, go look at the numbers, go look at what they've achieved. And um, I think your passion really comes across in that sense, which is why you're also in my community, my Tej Talks community. You are the queen of the social media channel. So if anyone has any questions or anything specific, and I know you wrote like some essays in there the other day um, with so much value in, then people can join the Discord as well and they'll, and they'll have some access to your knowledge. But I'll put your Instagram in the show notes. And uh, all that's left to do, left to do, is to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I hope people listening take your advice because one of us is going to tell them off because we both love it. So I hope people take your advice and um, we see them growing on social media. So Millie, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.